that you're here this morning. A lot of our folks are gone today. Our marriage retreat is probably ending here about now. Down in Galveston, there are about 180 people there, which is wonderful, and we're glad they get to do that. But what I have realized is I now know who's at the retreat, besides just married couples. It's the people who say amen during the service are the ones who are there. This has been really quiet today, so it's okay to say amen at some point, but, but you don't have to if you don't want to. But there you go, that's good. I'm glad someone heard me at least, that's good. And if you, have a, uh, if you would like to fill out one of these, we'd love to have a record of your attendance today. I know that we have lots of guests today as well because some of you are grandparents in town here to take care of grandkids because of that retreat. Also, this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and so I know that there are many celebrating and many honoring, honoring um, uh, MLK as well. And then there is also there is a marathon going on today that... I chose not to participate in, so for various reasons. Today we are talking about, and kind of this is part of our theme this year, but meeting Jesus and leading others to him. And you know that our idea this year is to love and to lead and to live, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. And this year that is exactly what we're trying to do. And in many of our sermons we'll be thinking of it that way. And today we're going to talk about what traditionally we call the story of the woman at the well. Now it is a true story, it is not a made-up story, it is a true story of an event in the life of Jesus. And before we get to the PowerPoint, I want to explain some things about this occasion. This woman was a Samaritan. She lived in a part of the world where Jews would not usually go. They wouldn't walk through Samaria. They would walk around Samaria because typically Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They hated each other. They didn't want to be together. And because we all understand because of the news of what's going on in Israel and Palestine these days that there are still issues that are there between different people groups. And so typically you would not have had a Jew like Jesus in Samaria and a woman that was there. What I want us to understand today, that this encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well was not an accident. It is not just, wow, what a coincidence that these two people happened to meet and, and had this moment at the well where, they got to, where she got to hear about the Messiah. It is not an accident, it is not luck, it is not just one of those things that happened. This is intentional, what's happening. Jesus' disciples were shocked that Jesus wanted to lead them through Samaria, but he does. And so he leads them and he tells them to go on, and he decides to sit down at a well. And at the well that he's sitting at, it would have been odd for people to have come. Women were the ones who got the water. It would have been so odd for the women for a woman to be there in the middle of the afternoon the way she was. Not an accident that Jesus is sitting there. It was also very unusual, considered uncouth, wrong even, for a Jewish man to speak first to a woman, especially a Samaritan woman in public, and yet Jesus does it. This is not an accident. This is not just blind luck, as we say sometimes, for that woman. This is intentional what's happening at the well. Jesus is doing this because he wants this woman to know him. And so now, in John chapter 4, we pick up in this place of this true story, 
And it says that a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying this to you, give me a drink, you'd ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? Now, I want you to see what's happening. This is where this encounter first happens and how it's happening. And, and Jesus just sitting there and said, Hey, you know, think you could give me a drink? Could I get some water, please? And, you know, why are you talking to me? You just heard it. You understand what is happening there. Jesus isn't telling her anything. Now, understand in the sense telling, yes, he is speaking and talking to her, but sometimes we use this phrase telling in a way, well, I told them. Sometimes preachers will say, I told them that they all need to repent, and they didn't do it. I told them. And sometimes we'll say, I told my kids what to do. I told them exactly. I went in that room and I said, you straighten up right now. Right? We tell them. Jesus is not telling her anything. Jesus instead is leading her toward the salvation that she needs. Now, there is a big difference between telling and leading a person toward what is right. Sometimes, that's the way I always want to be, but sometimes I fail at this and decide to take a shortcut and just tell. And it doesn't lead to the place that we want it to lead. But this woman is intrigued. What do you mean by the water? What do you mean about living water? What exactly is that? So he goes on in John chapter 4 and verses 13 through 17. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water that I will give him uh, will become a well of water springing up into eternal life. Now, can you imagine that? Like, what does that mean? Like, I'll never be thirsty again. Jesus, Jesus said to her, uh, Sir, sir the, woman, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Well, I want to stop there for just a minute. I want you to understand what we're talking about. This woman is tired of going to get water, Right? Because, for one thing, if you have read this or studied before, she, it was a woman's job, so to speak, to get water. Men were very strongly in charge, and they would tell the women, go get water. It's a household duty, first of all. And second of all, they would tell them to go get water because, well, the pots were heavy, and it was sloppy, and the water would move around. And so the women would all go together in the morning. They would get the water. They would probably help each other to balance the water in a way so that they could walk <clears throat> but because this woman is an outcast from her village, she is going in the middle of the afternoon, no one there to help her, does it all by herself, and now she hears, you can give me water where I will never have to walk out here to this well again. This sounds like something I'm intrigued by. This sounds like good news. So tell me, how can I get this water? Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. Well, I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man that you have is now is not your husband. 
What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Now, I want you to understand what is happening to her as they go through this conversation. He is leading her to understand what true living water is. And, and he says, well, go back and tell your husband. I mean, this sounds like just a regular conversation. Well, I don't have a husband. No, you've had five of them. And you're now with a man that is not your husband. You're on number six here, at least. And she goes, well, I can see you're a prophet. She doesn't understand yet that he's the Messiah, the, the promised one of God, the Christ. But all at once, she is, she's shocked. Can't you imagine what this would be like if someone tells you something? Surely we have all had those moments where we have been completely shocked out of our minds, right? When someone has done something or said something. I saw a reel the other day where there's a man who just came back from the military. He's probably been in the war somewhere. He's sitting there. He has glasses on, sunglasses, and his dad. They call in his dad. And his dad comes behind him, puts his arm around him, and then the young man who, who's just returned turns around and looks at him, takes off his glasses, and his eyes are this big as he looks at his dad realizing that they have been reunited together and he just sobs as he hugs his father. That idea, right, of just being completely shocked. You know what that's like. Some of you remember a video of me, and there have been several of me being surprised, but there was one back a year or two ago where our daughter Emma came home. We didn't, she's in Oklahoma, didn't know she was coming back. And I was taking a nap, and when I woke up, I mean, you talk about confused. And of course, cameras were flying at that point, pictures of me, because I was so lost and confused. I thought, did she just get kicked out of school? Why is she here? You know, completely confused. That idea when you're shocked, sometimes you have felt the blood run through over your scalp as you feel that thought. And here is this woman, as she says, well, I don't have a husband. Yeah. You've had five. Matter of fact, that guy you're with, he's not your husband. What he is telling her is not so much an indictment on her, on her marriages. Now, that's another subject. It is the fact that he knows everything about her. That's what's so incredible at this moment. And here's what Jesus was doing. Jesus offered her something that was relevant to her. You see, sometimes I think whenever we share our faith, where sometimes we call that being evangelistic or, or doing outreach, sometimes we may start in the wrong place with people. Well, probably a lot of times we do. Sometimes we start talking to them about heaven or hell, and, and they're not ready for that yet. They may not even believe in it yet, or it's such a distant idea that it doesn't even make sense to them. And Jesus just starts with water. I can give you water where you will never thirst again. He makes it completely relevant, just like we try to often do to talk about the benefits of being in Christ. You see, this woman had been searching for something all of her life, and she could never find it. Maybe she thought, it's the next man. He'll provide the next man, and the next, and the next, and that's where she looked. And some people, they're looking for it through, through drugs, and they're looking for it through alcohol, and they're looking for it through parties, and they're looking for it through their job, and sometimes they're even looking for it through, through their family, even what we'd call good things. And they just go from one thing to another, and if you say, well, what about Jesus? Ah, it's not Jesus. 
And they completely miss that they have this, what we sometimes say, God-sized hole in their heart. Willing to try everything else and not realize what they're missing. And this woman, all these years, knows there's something better. She just doesn't know how to get there and doesn't maybe even know what it is, but knows that there's something. I don't think the world has changed that much. I think that people, whatever country you're from or whatever city you live in, we still deal with this same thing of needing Jesus. And here he is offering it. Now, here's also something that's interesting. Jesus didn't make it difficult. It's not difficult at all. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, let's go back and look at the Greek word or the Hebrew word or the Aramaic word. He doesn't say, let's, uh, let's stop and diagram all this. Let's talk about some words like, like sanctification and propitiation and all these words where we're going, ooh, I'm not even sure what that means. He doesn't do that. He just makes it simple. And he declared, in one of the verses we didn't read here, he said, I'm the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you are looking for. That's what he'll tell, say later. I am the one. Messiah means Christ. It means the promised one. It means the king. I am that one that you have been hoping for and dreaming of and praying for. Yes, I'm that one. Now what's interesting is in other places in the Bible, he doesn't tell them just right out like that. Part of the reason I think he doesn't is because they have more access to studying Scripture than this woman would have had. Because she is a woman, and in the world they lived in in the first century, she would not have been allowed to read. She can't, she can't read and go just look it up in, in a scroll somewhere. She doesn't have that kind of access. And he simply tells her the, about the water that she needs in order to live. So when the woman hears it, what does she do? What does she do? On John 4, verses 28 through 30, this is what it says. Then the woman left her water jar, and she went into town, and she told the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left the town, and they made their way to him. You know, this woman, her story is amazing. Sometimes we call this testimony. What she is doing is amazing. This man that I have just met has told me everything I have ever done. If I go and tell my neighbors that, they'll go, well, you're a preacher, right? But when this woman, who doesn't appear probably to be very religious, certainly one that struggles with, with sin, when this woman says... Come meet this man who, has who is changing my life, the man who is the Christ. When she is speaking in spiritual terms, do you know what the whole town says? Well, I'd like to meet that guy because you've got quite a past. And if he can tell you everything you've ever done, I've got to go out and meet him. He must be amazing if he could really do that. And so they all go. Is this not incredible what she does? Now let me just for a side, light, side note here. I want us to tell everybody about Jesus and everybody doesn't know Jesus or know him maybe the way I do. I want him to know him. But what's interesting is all the people, almost all the people who seem to reject Jesus were the really religious people. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, two of the religious uh, groups of Israel, those were the ones who rejected Jesus. The rich young ruler who claimed he kept all the commands... They, he rejected Jesus. 
Do you know where Jesus spent his time? With people who didn't necessarily look religious. People who maybe had a desire for Christ, a desire for God, but didn't really know how to put that together. That's where Jesus spends his time. Now this woman is going back and telling everyone, when something changes your life, you have to share. Don't you? You just have to tell everybody about it. There's a story I've told some of you privately. I cannot share the story with you now because I don't have permission yet. But just a few weeks ago, a neighbor of mine came outside, came and found me and said, David, I've got to tell you this story about what God has done. And told Barbara the same thing. This is not from a family that we would think of as being overly religious. But all I'm saying, I've got to tell you what God has done. And it is an amazing story. But it was a story about life change. You know what it's like when someone has changed your life? You've got to speak about it. So many things we're so excited to talk about. Oh, there is a new restaurant in town. i got to tell you, you got to go. I mean, you need to leave. You don't just leave your dinner on the table and go down to that restaurant right now because it will, what do we say? It will change your life. Don't we say that sometimes? You have got to go find this new store. You've got you've to hear this music, whatever it is. It will change your life. And we get so excited about talking about those things. But when it comes to what really changes our life, it is Jesus that, that permeates through every single part of us. Now when this woman goes and tells the crowd, she doesn't go and preach a sermon. She doesn't come up with a lot of fancy words. All she does is she interested her audience and she made it simple. We have scared ourselves away from telling people about Jesus. Well, I don't know enough. Is that not the first thing we say? I can't tell anybody about Christ. I don't know enough. How much did this woman know, right? But she could go and say, I think maybe I just found the Messiah. I think maybe I just found the Christ. I think this maybe is one I've been looking for forever. I think it's one all of us have been looking for. Come and see. And those are her words, just like Andrew to Peter, like in our scripture reading today, Exactly what Andrew says to Peter, who becomes the greatest preacher of maybe the first decade or so of the, of the church era, he just says, come and see. That's all we want to do, right? Just tell people, come and see. And maybe it's come to a worship service. Well, that's part of it. That's good. But maybe to meet someone. You could bring them to me if I could help. But maybe there's someone else in our evangelistic team or, or someone else that you trust, a, a teacher, a friend, a Christian, whoever it is. Tell them just come and see. Come and talk. Come and visit. Come and, and, and experience what I know and what I have seen with my own eyes. Now in John chapter 4, it goes on in verses 39 through 42. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. They believed because they saw it in her, right? So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Now many more believed because of what he said, and they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. In the beginning, 
People will believe because they believe you. They trust you. They will come to church or go to, a, to some kind of, to one of your small groups or whatever it may be because they like you, they love you, they believe in you. But eventually, that transfers over while they still love you. They start believing and loving Jesus. You see, that's the process. It takes a little while. Everybody takes a little bit longer than, or someone takes a little bit longer than someone else. But it's just as simple. Just come and see. And let Jesus talk. And let that happen. You see, this woman, she led like Jesus. And she led them to Jesus. You say, well, how did she lead like Jesus? Well, Jesus made it simple. She didn't try to make it too hard. She didn't overcomplicate anything. She just said, look, this is relevant to my life. Because this man could tell me what I had done. It is relevant, and it'll be relevant to you. And she said, he's the one. Go talk to Jesus, and he will do it. He will make it where we understand. So you say, okay, well, David, so, so what do I do? What is it that you're wanting from me? Well, this is it for most of us. For those of us who are Jesus followers, what I want is that we will talk of what Jesus has done in my life. I want you to just talk about what Jesus has done in your life to your neighbors, to people at work, to your friends who are not, who are not Christians. Just talk. And I'm not asking you to be weird and, and make them run away from you. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about changing some of our vocabulary. I'm talking about no longer being people who just talk about coincidence. Wow, what a coincidence! That is what an atheist says. An atheist believes this is all a coincidence. Surely the people who are the children of God do not believe that. And not giving the God of luck, a Roman God of luck, all the credit for everything. Wow, I was just lucky. Boy, did I luck out whenever I met this woman. Boy, did I luck out when I got this job. Boy, did I luck out whenever, whenever uh, I got a raise. Do not give a false God the praise for what God in heaven has done. Just say, wow, I am blessed by God. I cannot believe my blessings. You don't even have to say God. You can just say blessing. They get the idea when we start being blessed rather than lucky. I'm blessed. I am so thankful for what God has done. Or maybe say, wow, I mean, I don't know. I had one of those God moments the other day. And, and I, was, there was, I was in traffic, and there was a car that went right in front of me, and I just hit the brakes right at the right time, and I just said, Thanks, thank you, Lord, that I am okay. Rather than saying, wow, I was lucky. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Just start talking about Jesus. Just get it out there. Yesterday, about a calendar, we are... We are you know, we're those people that are in between. We use technology, but we also like paper, you know. And so we have a calendar that hangs in our pantry of our house. And last night, Barbara and I went through it all. Okay, when are your trips? When are you going to be here or there? What are those things we need to know about? And then we hang the calendar up. Well, yesterday I went to Sam's and I bought the calendar. And they have all kinds of, incidentally, it's a great time to buy calendars that are 50% off. And so so I went to Sam's, I bought a calendar, I looked at all of them, they had dog calendars and cat calendars and, 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 you know, anything you could imagine. But they had this one calendar called Jesus is Calling. And I thought, 
you know, when I'm in the pantry looking at all the food, I probably need some scripture on the wall to remind me not to eat. And so I bought this Jesus is Calling calendar. As I'm checking out, you know how they have to check all your items at those big stores like that? The woman said to me, now that is a good calendar. I said, what? She said, Jesus is calling. That's a good calendar. What's well, that idea that she said that? Now, and I didn't have time to say, say um, here is water. What must you do to be saved? I didn't have time to do any of that. But I could say, thank you. I said, I believe in Jesus. She said, I do too. And just kept walking. What well, was a positive moment for two people who believe in Jesus to have a little brighter day. And if anybody around us heard it, they heard it as well. It's that idea of just somehow trying to talk about our faith. But David, do you know how scared I am? I mean, and I could lose my job. And do you know how what that would be like? Oh, and I know it would be terrible. I, if I don't talk about Jesus, I lose my job, so I understand. So, oh, it'd be so difficult. Do you think that the Texans quarterback, C.J. Stroud, says, you know what, I better not talk about Jesus. Because people out there may not like it. Do you know this is a very ungodly industry? And, and with the media and people all over the country are hearing what I say. You know what he says after every game? I want to thank God and I want to thank Jesus who have given me these blessings every single time. A few weeks ago, some of you saw he wore a shirt to the press conference that had a depiction of Jesus with a crown of thorns on it. Do you think people can say, what are you doing wearing that? You of all people. He stood up for Jesus. Can I not just stand up a little bit for Jesus? Could I not just do a little bit in my part of the world? Surely I could do that. Surely I could give Jesus honor and credit and the Father honor and credit in front of other people. Surely I could just give him a little bit like that. And what he says is just come and see. Come and see is what we will say to people. And, and I, you may say, I don't have all the words. I don't know how to sit down and have a Bible study with you. But I know people who can. I know people who can do that. I think about my good friend, Ed, that I grew up with. When we were growing up, he was not a Christian. He went off to college. He became a Christian. And then he went back to our hometown. He never had a Bible study with anybody. Well, he didn't lead a Bible study with anybody. What he did was he would tell all these friends of his and mine back in our little town, you got to come and see. And he'd, he'd say, hey, he'd call the preacher and say, meet me at Pizza Hut. I've got somebody for you to talk to. And so they would meet at Pizza Hut. Only Pizza Hut and Dairy Queen in town, so you got to choose one or the other. And so they would meet at Pizza Hut, and he would just sit there, and they would talk. Ed brought 45 people to the Lord, 45 people who were baptized in a town of 2,500 people just by saying, come and see. Didn't know any of the, didn't know how to explain it, but he knew how to ask people to come and see. You see, just talk. Just talk so people know. And so this is what I'm asking us to do. Well, I commit to just talking about what Jesus has done in my life. And if you say, I can't think of anything, then stop and think about it. Are you breathing right now? 
He's done something in your life. If you had a car to get here this morning or someone brought you, you have a blessing in your life. If you are tonight are going to be able to sleep on a bed and you have a blanket, you have blessings in your life. If you have to go to the very basic to think, and my guess is, is that the overwhelming majority of us in this room, when we start there, we're going to start thinking about how much we have. We're going to start thinking about places that we get to go eat. We're going to think about stores we get to go shop in. We're going to start thinking maybe about family or friends. We're going to start thinking about trips we've been on or trips that we have planned. We're going to think about, getting, about being sick and getting well and realizing that God was a part of that and on and on and on. And if we could just find a way to talk a little bit about Jesus to other people and say, God has blessed me. You don't have to go past that. Some of you, maybe you're ready to go past that. Others just say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And then maybe you can work up to, God has blessed me. And then maybe you can work up to, come and see. So just commit. Just commit to that. If you are a Christian, just commit that far. But then also this, am I ready for God to change my life? Am I ready for that? Because you know what I've learned over the years, and probably some of you have gotten the same feeling, there are some folks that I think do not want to change. I think there are some folks that want there to be problems in their life so they have excuses. Now, I'm not willing to, to I, don't, I don't mean to judge them, I'm just telling you there are some people that want it to be hard. They don't want to change. Hey, found you a job. They don't want a job. Hey, I found you, I found, I, I found you some friends. They don't want friends. Hey, I found you, I don't want that. What I want to do is complain. If you are seeking a change in your life because of that God-sized hole that we have talked about, if you are seeking a change, God will give you that. I'll explain it more. Others in here will explain it deeper to you. But it may be that you are ready to put your faith in Him and be baptized into Jesus. You can do that this morning. You go down in that water and through what He does through a miracle... When you come up out of the water, he has taken your sins away. It is miraculous. When God does something that no man or woman can do, it's a miracle. And no one can take away your sins but God. Takes away your sins, gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, you're part of the kingdom, you're in the family. If you're ready for that. If you're ready for that, we're ready to help you. You don't have to know it all. All you have to do is come and see. Come this morning as we stand and sing.